4: Recorded live. You're listening
5: to the Jam Radio Network with Minister Kenneth Jenkins.
1: If this radio spot were Nikki Baker's life, it would start pretty normal, like this. But But then, then, right?
6: right around here, her life would take a bad turn with her mother abusing her. And about this far end, Nikki would drop out of high school and run away. Here, yeah. she'd be forced to work two jobs struggling to support herself. And her daughter. She'd feel
7: stuck, stuck, stuck. But stuck. then she'd decide to earn her GED diploma. She'd take my prep classes. Study every night. And feel unstuck. Because she'd finally hear someone say,
2: Nikki Baker, come up and get your GED diploma.
1: If this radio spot for Nikki Baker's life, the ending wouldn't be the ending at all. It would be the beginning of a brighter future. For free info about GED test prep classes, call one eight seven seven three eight your GED, or visit yourged.org. GED
6: is a registered trademark of the American Council on Education. Brought to you by Dollar General Literacy Foundation and the Ad
8: Council. Now, views and opinions on Nation Talk are not necessarily views of Talkshoe, generated productions, Storyland.com, and its sponsors. This is Nation Talk. This is your Sunday evening forum, Nation Talk. Welcome to the Public Affairs Program and due to issues concerning you from the studios of Savannah, Georgia. Begin the conversation, call 1724 444 2444. call ID number 55519-POUND. That's 1724 444 call ID number 55519-POUND.
9: And he said to his sister, Mary, I've got a new heart. Show me, she answered. And that's what the Bible says. Show forth his salvation from day to day, not only on Sunday, but also Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. You're to show it by your life. Witnessing is more than what you say. It's what you are. A girl was asked, under whose preaching were you converted? My mom's practicing. She answered, "That's showing your religion from day to day by lip and by life." For your free copy of Dr. Guido's daily devotional, Seeds from the Sower, write the
5: Sower, Metter, Georgia, 304-39. Visit
7: us on the web
5: at
8: thesower.com. The views and opinions on Nation Talk are not necessarily views of Talkshoe, Generated Productions, Talkshoe.com. And sponsors, this is Nation Talk. You're listening to the Jam Radio Network with Minister Kennedy Jenkins. Mm-hmm. subjects, Donald Trump, the Donald, uh, is out, and about, and shooting out his mouth, today we have that movie theater um, shooting that happened uh, this, this
10: week, this past week,
8: And there's one more and let me see I can find it guy. I was written it down and believe it or not, I forgot to write it down. I wrote it I wrote it in the, uh, in the description in the in the book in the, in the um in the program and forgot to write it down <laughs> on my notes. There's one other subject, and I'm, I'm looking, at, looking for it now. Of course, other things have been going on, that um the president went to his father's country. Uh, he and his family spent time in his father's
4: country. Um, I thought that was very nice. Uh, the
8: other things have been going on um, everywhere. The, the shooting is one of the things that has been, the theater shooting, this is, and believe it or not, this is the second theater shooting we had. First it was in Aurora. Now it's in, um, now down in, in uh, down in Louisiana uh, it's
4: terrible terrible, terrible, terrible um, putting guns in the streets out in the streets for
8: something like that we're going to talk about that, I, I got some stories on that concerning that, which is what now of course our prayers goes out to the families of the victims the, the victims' families our
4: prayers goes out to them and, um, we um we we just hope that uh Uh, oh okay. Um Lies
8: and Downright Stupidity. Okay, that was it. That's the other one. That's the other that's
4: the other thing we're gonna talk about. Well anyway Uh
8: Of course, as I said in the outset, that, that Donald made his announcement
4: and said that he's going to run. Well, here is
8: his presidential speech in its entirety.
1: My father has employed tens of thousands of people throughout his career, and he has inspired them to do extraordinary things. He has the strength to make hard decisions and motivate those around him to achieve the impossible. He is an optimist who chases big dreams and sees potential where others do not. He leads by example and will outwork anyone in any room. My father is the opposite of politically correct. He says what he means and he means what he said. He is also the best negotiator I have ever met, countless times I have stood by his side and watched to make deals that seemed impossible to get done. He has the discernment to understand what the other party needs and then to get exactly what he wants. My father knows how to be a fierce opponent, but also how to be a very loyal friend. When it comes to building bridges, he can do so figuratively, but also has the rare ability to do so literally, on time, and under budget. Throughout his career, my father has been repeatedly called upon by local and federal government to step in and save long-stalled, grossly over-budget public projects. Whether it's building a skating rink in the heart of Central Park, meticulously restoring the exterior facade of Grand Central Terminal, enabling the development of New York City's Jacob Javits Convention Center, creating a championship public golf course for the City of New York, or redeveloping the iconic but totally underutilized old post office building on Pennsylvania Avenue in the heart of Washington, D.C., my father succeeds time and time again where government has failed before him. I consider myself fortunate to have learned from the best, both as an entrepreneur and as a parent. My father is a man who is deeply grounded in tradition. He raised my siblings and me to work hard and to strive for excellence in all that we do. He taught us that we have a responsibility to make a positive contribution to society. Here today, my father is again leading me by example. My generation finds itself at a crossroads. Our leadership has been mired in bureaucracy of its own creation. If we don't adapt politically and economically, our country will be left behind. To address the many challenges we face, we don't need talk. We need action. We need execution. We need someone who is bold and independent with a proven track record of successfully creating and building large and complex and complicated organizations and in the process, enabling many, many Americans to better their lives. I can tell you that there is no better person than my father to have in your corner when you're facing tough opponents or making hard decisions. He is battle-tested. He's a dreamer. But perhaps more importantly, he is a doer. Ladies and gentlemen, it is my pleasure to introduce to you today a man who I have loved and respected my entire life my father, Donald J. Trump.
2: That is some group of people, thousands. So nice. Thank you very much. That's really nice. Thank you great to be at Trump Tower. It's great to be in a wonderful city, New York. And it's an honor to have everybody here. This is beyond anybody's expectations. There's been no crowd like this. And I can tell you, some of the candidates they went in, they didn't know the air conditioner didn't work. They sweated like dogs. They didn't know the room was too big because they didn't have anybody there. How are they going to beat ISIS? I don't think it's going to happen. Our country is in serious trouble. We don't have victories anymore. We used to have victories, but we don't have them. When was the last time anybody saw us beating, let's say, China in a trade deal? They kill us. I beat China all the time, all the time when did we beat japan at anything they send their cars over by the millions and what do we do when was the last time you saw a chevrolet in tokyo it doesn't exist folks they beat us all the time when do we beat mexico at the border they're laughing at us at our stupidity And now they're beating us economically. They are not our friend, believe me. But they're killing us economically. The U.S. has become a dumping ground
4: for everybody else's problems. (laughs) Thank you. It's true.
2: And these are the best and the finest. When Mexico sends its people They're not sending their best. They're not sending you. They're not sending you. They're sending people that have lots of problems, and they're bringing those problems with us. They're bringing drugs. They're bringing crime. They're rapists. And some, I assume, are good people. But I speak to border guards, and they tell us what we're getting. And it only makes common sense. It only makes common sense. They're sending us not the right people. It's coming from more than Mexico. It's coming from all over South and Latin America, and it's coming probably, probably from the Middle East. But we don't know because we have no protection and we have no confidence. We don't know what's happening, and it's got to
4: stop, and it's got to stop fast. Islamic terrorism... Is
2: eating up large portions of the Middle East. They become rich. I'm in competition with them. They just built a hotel in Syria. Can you believe this? They built a hotel. When I have to build a hotel, I pay interest. They don't have to pay interest because they took the oil that when we left Iraq, I said we should have taken. So now ISIS has the oil. And what they don't have, Iran has. And in 19, and I will tell you this, and I said it very strongly, years ago, I said, and I love the military, and I want to have the strongest military that we've ever had, and we need it more now than ever, but I said, don't hit Iraq, because you're going to totally destabilize the Middle East. Iran is going to take over the Middle East. Iran and somebody else will get the oil And it turned out that Iran is now taking over Iraq Think of it Iran is taking over Iraq And they're taking it over bigly We spent two trillion dollars in Iraq Two trillion We lost thousands of lives Thousands in Iraq We have wounded soldiers who I love I love they're great, all over the place, thousands and thousands of wounded soldiers, and we have nothing. We can't even go there. We have nothing. And every time we give Iraq equipment, the first time a bullet goes off in the air, they leave it. Last week, I read 2,300 Humvees. These are big vehicles were left behind for the enemy. 2,000, you would say maybe two, maybe four, 2,300 sophisticated vehicles they
4: ran, and the enemy took them. You're right.
2: Last quarter, it was just announced, our gross domestic product, A sign of strength, right? But not for us. It was below zero. Who ever heard of this? Never below zero. Our labor participation rate was the worst since 1978. But think of it, GDP below zero. Horrible labor participation rate. And our real unemployment is anywhere from 18 to 20 percent. Don't believe the 5.6. Don't believe it. That's right. A lot of people up there can't get jobs. They can't get jobs because there are no jobs. Because China has our jobs and Mexico has our jobs. They all have a jobs. But the real number, the real number is anywhere from 18 to 19 and maybe even 21 percent. And nobody talks about it because it's a statistic that's
4: a little nonsense. Our enemies
2: are getting stronger and stronger by the day, and we as a country are getting weaker. Even our nuclear arsenal doesn't work. It came out recently They have equipment that's 30 years old. They don't even know if it worked. And I thought it was horrible when it was broadcast on television because, boy, does that send signals to Putin and all of the other people that look at us and they say, that is a group of people and that is a nation that truly has no clue. They don't know what they're doing. They don't
4: know what they're doing. We have a disaster called the big lie,
2: Obamacare. Obamacare. Yesterday, it came out that costs are going for people up 29, 39, 49, and even 55 percent. And deductibles are through the roof. You have to get hit by a tractor, literally a tractor to use it because the deductibles are so high it's virtually useless it is a disaster and remember the five billion dollar website five billion we spent on a website to this day it doesn't work a five billion dollar website i have so many websites i have them all over the place i hire people they do a website it costs me three dollars Five
4: billion-dollar website. Well, you need somebody, because politicians are all talk,
2: no action. Nothing's going to get done. They will not bring us, believe me, to the promised land. They will not. As an example... I've been on the circuit making speeches, and I hear my fellow Republicans, and they're wonderful people. I like them. They all want me to support them. They don't know how to bring it about. They come up to my office, three of them in the next week. They don't know, are you running? Are you not running? Could we have your support? What do we do? How do we do it? I like them, and I hear their speeches. And they don't talk jobs and they don't talk China. What was the last time you heard China's killing us? They're devaluing their currency to a level that you wouldn't believe it makes it impossible for our companies to compete. Impossible. They're killing us. But you don't hear that from anybody else. You don't hear it from anybody else. And I watched the speeches. <laughs> Thank you. I watched the speeches of these people. And they say the sun will rise, the moon will set, all sorts of wonderful things will happen. And people are saying, "What's going on? Job? Just get me a job. I don't need the rhetoric. I want a job." And that's what's happening. And it's going to get worse because remember, Obamacare really kicks in in 16, 2016. Obama is going to be out playing golf. He might even be on one of my courses. I would invite him. I actually would say. I have the best courses in the world, so I'd say, you know what, if he wants to. I have one right next to the White House, right on the Potomac. If he'd like to play, that's fine. In fact, I'd love him to leave early and play. That would be a very good thing. But Obamacare kicks in in 2016 really bigly. It is going to be amazingly destructive. Doctors are quitting. I have a friend who's a doctor. He said to me the other day, Donald, I never saw anything like it. I have more accountants than I have nurses. It's a disaster. My patients are beside themselves. They had a plan that was good. They have no plan now. We have to repeal Obamacare, and it can be repealed and it can be replaced with something much better for everybody. Let it be for everybody, but much better
4: and much less expensive for people and for the government, and we can do it. So watch the
2: politicians. I've dealt with them all my life. If you can't make a good deal with a politician... There's something wrong with you. You're certainly not very good. That's what we have representing them. They will never make America great again. They don't even have a chance. They're controlled fully. They're controlled fully by the lobbyists, by the donors, and by the special interests. Fully. They control them. Hey, I have lobbyists. I have lobbyists that can produce anything for
4: me. They're great, but you know what? Doing things for destroying our country. Now, our country needs. Our country needs
2: a truly great leader. And we need a truly great leader now. We need a leader that wrote the art of the deal. We need a leader that can bring back our jobs, can bring back our manufacturing, can bring back our military, can take care of our vets. Our vets have been abandoned. And we also need a cheerleader. You know, when President Obama was elected, I said, well, the one thing I think he'll do well, I think he'll be a great cheerleader, I think he'd be a great spirit. He was vibrant. He was young. I really thought that he would be a great cheerleader. Not a leader, that's true. You're right about that. But he wasn't a cheerleader. He's actually a negative force. He's been a negative force. He wasn't a cheerleader. He was the opposite. We need somebody that can take the brand of the United States and make it great again. It's not great again.
4: We We need somebody.
2: We need somebody that literally will take this country and make it great again. We can do that. And I will tell you, I love my life. I have a wonderful family. I'm saying, Dad, you're going to do something that's going to be so tough. You know, all of my life I've heard that a truly successful person, a really, really successful person even modestly successful, cannot run for public office. just can't do it. And yet that's the kind of mindset that you need to make this country great again. So, ladies and gentlemen, I am officially running for president of the United States, and we are going to make our country
4: great again.
8: Okay, that was his announcement. Now, here's an interview he did with um, Edison Cooper on ACD60, July Cooper of a state, uh, In the this history year. of
0: the United States. But you used to donate. I mean, you gave a lot of money sure. to over years Because I was a
2: businessman. Guess I still am. But I was a businessman. I was with everybody. Everybody loved me. When I called them, they always treated me well. And that's part of the game. And that's part of what's wrong with this country. Because as a businessman, I could have gotten anything from anybody, and that is part of the problem. Lobbyists, donors,
8: well, special interests—is that
0: why you were donating money to people you donated? Cause you donated to Democrats. I think in 2006, sure. you gave 20,000 to the Democratic Congressional Campaign Fund. You gave thousands and Republicans. I you gave a thousand to the Republicans. Oh, whatever. I, I've given millions. Now, you, I've given millions to everybody. So do you give, though, based on principles, or do you give based on who's going to do things for you politically? They all love me.
2: Let's put it that way. They all love me. I'm a very, very – I did very nicely in life. And, frankly, you give – and it's part of the problem. And I, I talk about it all the time. Part of
0: the problem. So even though thing. you're doing it, because you're saying they, it's a problem.
2: Well, I'm saying this. They won't necessarily do what's right for the country. They'll do what's right for their special interest, their donor. They're lobbyists, et It's not good for the country. But
0: you know when you are going to get on the stage during those debates and, and your Republican challengers are going to say, look, you're all over the place politically. You say you're a conservative Republican. You're giving the money to Hillary Clinton, Harry Reid, Nancy Pelosi. I get Pelosi. Along with
2: everybody. And that's part of the problem we have so, in the country also. you were giving money
0: based on political beliefs. You were giving money based on currying favor, like many people do. People love me.
2: And you know what? I've been very successful. Everybody loves me.
0: Politically, the other thing they're going to say is you're a flip-flopper politically. Like you say now you're a conservative Republican. Smoking gun goes back to 87 with your registration record. You were Republican, then you were independent, then you were Democrat for eight years, then you were unaffiliated, then you were Republican. Then and You, you have, have to
2: look at what Ronald Reagan
0: did. He switched around, too. Not so much different. Well, so somebody says, well, look, you're, you're, the, you're the guy who said you're the stand-up guy. You're a decision-maker. You seem to kind of be indecisive. Well, you, you
2: do have to understand that I'm in New York City. It's virtually impossible in New York City. If you look, I think it's three to one Democrats or Republican. It's virtually impossible. So as a businessman in New York City, and now all over the world, but as a businessman in New York City, I have to get along with Democrats. If I don't get along with Democrats, I'm sort of like out of business. But were
0: you a Democrat when you said you were a Democrat?
2: Uh, I was a Democrat for a period of time early on, and then I was also an independent, and then I became a Republican.
0: i got to ask you about a couple things in, in the news. Washington Post, as you know, say that some of the workers building this beautiful hotel that you're you're building down in Washington, D.C., are illegal. They've talked to 15 workers. They said a number of those 15 came here illegally through asylum. they're now legal, but that a number of them did say they're illegal. Isn't it hypocritical for you saying that illegal immigration is killing this country the employing illegal I read the story, and by the way, that story does not name any names, I'd love them if they could give us the names, but they said they spoke to one or two,
2: and but they don't name them, and they don't even know if it's true.
0: Well, what, they, what they say is, several of the men who hail mostly from El Salvador, Honduras, Guatemala, have earned U.S. citizenship or legal status through immigration programs targeting Central Americans fleeing civil wars or natural disasters. Others quietly acknowledge that they remain in the country illegally. They don't they give have reference. to give us
2: the names because we have, you know, it's many no legal. More, they're, they're not, not going to no, give no, you names. They have to give us the names, and I have to say this: uh, we believe so strongly. I hired a very big contractor, one of the most prestigious, one of the best in the world, to build the building. It's their responsibility to make sure they have Doesn't done. Does the book stop with you? So, uh, it, yes, You're it does. Their oh, absolutely. Uh, we have gone out of our way to make sure that everybody in that building is legal. And we do have some that were, that became illegal. And wait a minute, we have some, many, I think, that became, frankly, me, you, everybody. I mean, ultimately, we were all sort of in the group of immigrants, right? But we have done that to the absolute letter of
0: the law. We're very, very careful. On the it, Washington cannot, Post can go me. there and talk to 15 people and well, find some illegal immigrants... They haven't shown
2: us anything. I wish they would give us some names. We would get them out immediately. You,
0: you must have a guy on the job site. We have
2: more than one guy, right. and we, we check it probably more carefully than any job that was ever built. Anderson, you have either 11, anywhere from 11 to 34 million illegal immigrants in this country. They're all over the place. Nobody knows even where they come from. They probably come some from the Middle East. You don't know where they're coming from. We check on that building probably more carefully than anybody that's ever built a building before. And I think from what I heard, and I just checked it this morning because I asked the question because I read the article also, we are absolutely in beautiful, perfect shape. Now, I wish they'd give us the names. We would get rid of
0: them immediately. This isn't the first time, though. This has been an issue. Daily Beast today, there's an article. I don't know if you've seen it. The headline says... If they're talking about the building we're sitting in right now, they're saying Trump Tower was built on undocumented immigrant backs. How many years ago was that? This was, what, 75? 35 years ago. 35 years ago. They said 35 years ago. But this was a court case, 200 illegal immigrants, Polish workers, guys working for
2: $5. Anderson, I hire a contractor. The contractor then hires a subcontractor. They have
0: people, I don't know, I don't remember, that was so many years ago. Thirty-five years ago, they said we had some illegal... The court case settled in 1999. You okay, settled it's with it's all right. I mean, it's fine. I mean, I remember the case. <laughs> Frankly, I remember it very well. Uh, we hire contractors. The contractor,
2: very highly prestigious, very good con- They go out, hire subcontractors. Sometimes the subcontractors will have people working, but, who you know, it's pretty far down the line. Now on all you
8: let it all returns in just a moment.
10: My name is Dale Pazinski.
11: I'm 19 years old, and this is how I live United. I've always been kind of a computer geek, and I found a way to use those skills to help the homeless in my community. For people facing hard times, computer skills and a basic resume are so important. It may seem like a small thing, but it makes a huge difference in people's lives. So with United Way, I created a program where I work with the homeless. Together, we go through their whole job history, write a resume, and then save it on the very own USB drive. We provide workbooks and training certificates. I even budgeted for cupcakes so we can celebrate as a class when one of our people gets a job. That's huge. When somebody says, hey, man, that job that you helped me apply for, I got it. That's what Living United feels like to me. My name is Dale Pazinski. I help people achieve financial independence. So I don't just wear the shirt. I live it.
12: Give. Advocate. Volunteer. Live United. Go to liveunited.org. Brought to you by United Way and the Ad Council.
1: piece of music is played with only two instruments, a right hand and a left hand. Hands can do incredible things, but nothing compares to using them to help save a life with hands-only CPR. If an adult suddenly collapses, call 911, then push hard and fast in the center of their chest until help arrives. Hands-only CPR is recommended by the American Heart Association, and it's incredibly easy and effective. Find out more about this latest method of CPR at handsonlycpr.org. The power to help save a life is in your hands. A message from the American Heart Association and the Ad Council.
8: You're listening to the Jam Radio
10: Network with Minister
8: Kenneth Jenkins. The views and opinions of the Nation Talk are not necessarily views of Talkshoe, Jam Radio Productions, Storyhead.com, of and its sponsors. This
3: Guys, I just got home, I did have to take off for a while. I wanted to say thank you to everybody out there for sharing my last video about the, the, the holistic doctors. I really appreciate that. I see that you guys are really doing all that you can to help protect me at a moment when I'm sure that there are going to be a lot of pissed off people that I revealed exactly what they're up to and what they've been doing to these holistic or uh, alternative medical doctors in case any of you out, out there who just recently joined me are unaware i do have a backup channel professor doom too i hope that you guys will get to join me there uh, also on my backup channel now uh, for anybody who hasn't seen this story and you were just dedicated uh, for a new stories from my channel and you haven't got to see this i'm going to go ahead and report to you not much that i can add to what hasn't already been added by others three dead after gunman opens fire at Lafayette, Louisiana. And while going over this story, I couldn't help but think about, uh, in my lifetime, I have never seen, in a lifetime, these many shootings as we're seeing going on in one year's time. So much Photoshopped images. So many contrived witness statements. So many fake emotions. In um, in these displays of emotion from some of these family members, it just it it makes one ill. It does. It makes me sick just seeing how these people can't see what they're they're actually selling out their country. Can't they see by some of these other events that are going on that they go well? Okay, I'm participating in this. Uh, man, I have to ask myself: Was Sandy Hook really real? Was the uh, Las Vista or whatever it was in California with Elliot Rogers? was that real? Why is the government doing all this if I'm being involved in this event right here? Why aren't these people waking up to see exactly what their government is doing to this country? It makes me sick. I swear to God, it does. But what is even more concerning here also is that what you'll notice here, just this story alone, that they're saying it's a 50-year-old white man. Now we're starting to get into, um, uh, they're coming right out with the story and it's right with, but not a 50-year-old male, that's what we would normally see, a 58-year-old male, and we're not releasing his name. Now, look at how it's being written. Police Chief Trimcraft told a news conference that authorities had identified the gunman as a 50 year old, 58-year-old white man. Yeah, see, so you can already tell here that we're starting to get into this more and more racial emphasis in these news stories. I'm going to go over this and see exactly what I can find for you to determine whether this was absolutely 100% fraudulent event, Right.
2: Go ahead and get started. Um, I'll, I'll give you a recap from last night, about 7.30 p.m. last night, we received a call
4: of a shooting in progress at the theater here behind me. There were two police officers who were actually on this property at the time the incident occurred. They uh,
2: were able to uh, get together, make entry into the theater, met quite a few people coming out. Uh, As they made their way into the crowd, they heard a shot. Entering the theater, the uh, suspect
10: was found deceased from a self-inflicted gunshot wound. Numerous victims who were wounded were uh,
2: located. We also located a deceased female and uh, immediately began uh, first aid. Uh, Our local ambulance service, Acadian Ambulance. Hi, Work throughout the night to process the scene. As you can imagine, um, it's pretty horrific. Um, It's a large area to process for for physical evidence. A lot of people, upon exiting the theater, left a lot of possessions behind. So we recovered keys. The hauser was working with anyone or associated with anyone uh, we haven't had any other threats at any other theaters uh, now this theater is, is closed until we can do uh, all of the work we need to do here to uh, try and piece together what happened uh, we will continue to update you uh, throughout the day uh, with uh, any information that uh, we come up with any additional information that we come up with i want to turn it over to uh, Colonel Mike Edmondson with the Louisiana State Police to give
4: a recap of uh, his uh, office's involvement in this investigation. Yeah, R-U-S-S-E-L. First of all, I want to praise the efforts of, uh, of
2: Chief Kraft and his men and the first responders, emergency medical technicians who were here, those ambulances. Like you heard the governor say last night, is as the danger was taking place inside, literally as those officers got there and shots were being fired, they went into it because they were worried about the individuals in there. And you heard this, at least 100 people
1: were interviewed,
2: uh, that many more, that many and a few more were actually in the theater itself. Um, I think it's going to be easy at this moment to kind of speculate. Here we are in Lafayette, Louisiana, in the middle of a neighborhood of a, of a movie theater. Why, why did he come here? Why did he do that? We don't know that. Possibly, possibly let, let's say that it's a, a domestic situation it, it was he's a guy that was a drifter like the, the chief said that just happened to be in this theater and, and took two beautiful lights don't lose sight of the fact that these two individuals they had a vision they had a name they had a future they, it wasn't to die as they did horribly in, in this uh, in this theater here so let's remember that as, as we put information out there we'll try to get you the facts uh, as we get them uh, he was in a local hotel uh, the, the police have been to that local hotel, they've been to his house in Alabama, they've talked to his friends, they talked to his family. That's why we didn't release that information uh, last night, because we didn't want to put other police officers in harm's way. Look at an incident that happened at 7.30 last night, and, and here we had the possibility of the car uh, having some type of explosive devices in it. You looked in the back seat, you saw what looked to be some wires, it didn't, didn't turn out to be anything, we didn't know what was in the trunk, that's why we...
10: we uh,
2: evacuate the people in that area, and we actually remotely uh, went inside that car, we had to blow out the windows, we had to, to, to do an explosion, to open up the trunk portion of it, we did that by, by uh, a robot because we didn't want to get a police officer At that point, we had into the movie theater, there were at least three objects that concerned us. We were able to x-ray those objects, deem them safe, and they completely cleared the scene. We did that around 1.30. So in a situation where 13 gunshots were were fired, a lot of different um, scenarios taking place. We were able to clear that and turn that back over to the Lafayette Police Department where you have the uh, technicians from the crime lab that are inside the building right now. Uh, they're trying to assess and find each one of those, uh, those spent shells, find out exactly where those deceased bodies were. We've got to take pictures of that. We've got to try to figure out maybe there was a motive in determining how he went into the...
7: Such a horrible story. Louisiana Governor Bobby Jindal is joining us right now, live from the scene, and Governor, thank you for spending the time. We want to uh, send you our condolences and and, and good wishes on this uh, tough day uh, to you and families and and, and all of the uh, community right now.
12: Well, thank you, Maria. Look, during these awful tragedies, our country pulls together. This is a time for prayers, for thoughts, for love for these families. You have to remember, they were at the end of their summer break. A lot of them are going to see one last movie, one comedy before school starts. We've had family members rush from across the country, cutting short their vacation plans to find out. You can imagine the panic to make sure it wasn't their child, their loved one, that was hurt or even worse, may have been fatally wounded last night. So, horrific, horrific time. Our community is going to pull together. Look, when anybody is hurting in America, we're all hurting. This is a resilient community. It's going to be tough there'll be a lot of tears and a lot of having to explain to kids why bad things happen to good people but we will get through this
7: and, and you were very quick to point out the the strength and leadership of the of the police and the authorities there law enforcement I guess we, we learned the shooters John Russell Hauser he was trying to what fit in he, he was trying to escape governor tell us what happened and and how he was uh, stopped from escaping by law enforcement
12: that's exactly right. He was actually on his way. He was trying to mingle with the crowd and get out of the theater. He had positioned his car, not at a parking space, but at the exit so he could get away. He was in the crowd. The police had already arrived. Now, here, Maria, is the amazing thing. Even as they heard gunshots, they were running towards the theater, towards danger. They were nearby. It Didn't take them very much time to get here at all. When the, when the shooter saw them, he turned around, went back in the theater, ended up shooting and killing himself. Who knows how many lives their, their quick reaction saved, But not only that, we're hearing tales of heroism from inside. So, for example, there were two teachers, again, on the last days of their summer break, there together watching this movie. One of the teachers jumped on the other, potentially saving her life, stopping a bullet from hitting her friend in the head. The first teacher, whose life was saved, she still got shot in the leg, but she still had the presence of mind to pull that fire alarm, even though she herself had been injured. And, again, who knows how many lives she saved by doing that. I think we're going to find out more and more of these tales I went to the emergency room to thank the doctors and nurses late last night, early this morning. And again, everybody pulling together, you see family and friends crowd in the emergency room, waiting for any type of word from their, their friends and loved ones. It was an awful, awful senseless tragedy, but it is in many cases bringing out the best in people.
7: Governor, let, let me ask you, the president in an interview with the BBC just a couple of weeks ago, uh, a week ago actually, uh, it was actually last night. Uh, he said that one of his biggest frustrations as president, there's been gun control. What are your thoughts on, on this, uh, as you run for the presidency?
12: Look, you know, we're not even 12 uh, hours, we're, we're in the first 24 hours after this awful tragedy happened. There'll be a time, and I know folks will want to score political points off of this tragedy. Now's not the time for that. Now is the time to focus on these families. Now's the time to love them, pray for them. Look, we got mixed feelings and reactions. You got extreme anger, that there's these senseless acts of violence, there's so much evil in our world. We're also extremely upset our hearts are breaking I, I literally had to be with uh, I, I had to try to provide whatever comfort I could to families last night I was there talking to some folks who again didn't know whether their loved ones had been shot whether they had been wounded whether they had been even worse killed and I, I tell you in those moments it, all your heart breaks it makes you want to hug your children even tighter it makes you want to protect them but how can you stop your kids from going to a summer movie and so in these kinds of moments it is impossible to make sense out of the senseless. What we can do is hug these families. I know the owner of the theater wants to set up a fund to benefit these families. The best thing we can do is surround them with our love, with our prayers. We're getting messages of support from all over the country. This is an incredible country. I want to thank people for their support.
7: But the governor, even, sorry,
12: uh, Governor Jindal,
7: Charleston, Chattanooga, now Lafayette, it's taken McDowell, by the way. The American people see this instance their hearts are broken, they pray for these families, but they say, make this stop. What do you say to that?
12: Uh, Look, absolutely. And uh, look, not only as a governor, but as a father and a husband, there's evil in this world. I mean, look, as the police have been to this man's hotel room, if they've looked in his journals, as they've talked to his family members, yeah, I'd love to tell you there was some kind of predictable pattern or reason that would help us to protect ourselves, right and they're still doing their investigation they're still processing leads. it appears he was a drifter appears he didn't have a connection that they've discovered yet to laugh yet he didn't have a recent criminal history he had some charges from several years ago didn't appear that he knew any of his victims and so again they're they're asking people if they have information to contact him they've talked to his family they've gone through his belongings There, there is unfortunately and tragically there is evil in this world and this is an example of that and and that's what makes it. That's what makes this loss even more painful.
7: Yeah, Governor. Good. To- back. We are following breaking news this morning out of Louisiana. Two innocent lives have been lost to a lone shooter at a movie theater in Lafayette. Nine others were injured. The gunman, described as a white male in his 50s, then turned the semi-automatic handgun on himself and committed suicide. Residents are
1: in shock after buying popcorn at the concession stand when like a whole group of people teenagers mainly running out telling everybody to run for their life and i said just i was teenagers just playing like a little prank you know and then i see a whole nother bigger group coming out screaming the same thing and my reaction was and then we saw a lady with uh, blood all over her leg i just grabbed my child and i mean we just all ran we
7: are waiting on a live press conference from authorities. We'll bring you that to, uh, back to Lafayette when it happens. Joining us now on set is criminal. You're listening to the Jam
10: Radio
4: Network. Minister Kenneth
9: Chang.
11: My name is Dale Pazinski. I'm 19 years old, and this is how I live United. I've always been kind of a computer geek, and I found a way to use those skills to help the homeless in my community. For people facing hard times, computer skills and a basic resume are so important. It may seem like a small thing, but it makes a huge difference in people's lives. So with United Way, I created a program where I work with the homeless. Together, we go through their whole job history, write a resume, and then save it on their very own USB drive. We provide workbooks and training certificates. I even budgeted for cupcakes so we can celebrate as a class when one of our people gets a job. That's huge. When somebody says, hey man, that job that you helped me apply for, I got it. That's what Living United feels like to me. My name is Dale Pazinski. I help people achieve financial independence. So I don't just wear the shirt. I live it.
12: Give. Advocate. Volunteer. Live United. Go to liveunited.org. Brought to you by United Way and the Ad Council.
8: views so and opinions of Nation Talk are not necessarily the views of talk show. Jam Radio Protectors, so and sponsors. This is Nation Talk.
4: You're listening
8: to the Jam Radio Network. This is Minister
4: Kenneth Jenkins.
8: Welcome back. This is Station Talk. During the second hour, John Strassel, Missed Life and Downright Stupidity.
5: here. Now, I bet you think that when it's cold, you're more likely to get sick, because we do get more colds in the winter. But it's a lie. It's one of ten myths and lies I'll tell you about tonight. The truth is, I could take this off and get really cold, and it wouldn't make any difference. And yet, when I was a kid, I had to watch those dumb health movies that said, getting cold will give you a cold. Wearing wet clothing after
9: exposure to bad weather conditions, or cooling off too quickly when overheated
2: get a cold by coming out with no jacket and in the cold weather. That's how you get a cold. That's what my mother always
10: told me. When the blizzard happens,
5: my grandma is like, you're going to catch the flu you get too cold. So when they go outside? It's
6: like I'm prepared to go to war when she gets oh, me all dressed up with that stuff. Like I have to
10: wear three coats, three pairs of pants, and see. One, two, three,
5: get it! So what happens when you do this? guys are playing skins against church on a 40-degree day. I freeze it.
10: It's terrible to be in this cold. I'm going <laughs> Now,
5: does anybody feel a cold coming on today? I runny know. That's probably from being out in the cold weather, but it doesn't mean that you're going to get a cold. Public health expert Dr. Mark Callahan explained... Being cold has nothing to do with getting a
0: cold. Yeah, I'm wondering if, like, the cold maybe, like, drops down your, your immune system. No, it doesn't work that way. Just because you're cold and the cold is cold outside doesn't lower your immune system.
10: Yeah! Running
2: around outside in the cold won't give you a cold. You have to get exposed to a virus, pick it up, and then you'll get a cold.
5: I learned about this myth years ago when 2020 sent me to a cold part of England. Scientists here found that dropping cold viruses into people's noses often made them sick. But getting them cold and wet made no difference. Here at the cold unit, they had people walk outside in the winter rain and then sit in these unheated rooms in various stages of undress. And those chilled people got no more cold than did anyone else.
10: <laughs>
5: Which helped explain the polar bear club. I, I
10: don't know, but I've been cold. By-
5: Get cold! All over America, there are these groups of lunatics. Everybody in
10: the water, hey! I
5: mean, happy people who voluntarily swim in the winter. This group Coney Island does it every Sunday, even when the temperature's below freezing. <laughs> Why do you
10: do
5: this? Because I like but are feel, very great,
10: Make Make it your feel so strong. Yes. Face, You're no stress, buddy. Come on, swim
2: down there. Shut that coat. I'm cold out here. Aren't you going to get sick? No, we don't get cold. All over America, a million mothers are telling their kids, don't go outside without a coat, you'll get sick. I guess a million mothers are wrong.
5: The polar bears are one of the few groups that are in the know. What, it's an old wives tale? My wife got
2: sick. <laughs> I didn't get sick. A cold is caused by a virus. It's not caused by temperature.
5: Right, and people get more colds in the winter only because we spend more time indoors then. <laughs> The virus back and forth because we're closer to each other. Being cold has nothing to do with it. We're the healthiest people we know. I think it's time for another
10: tip. Yeah!
5: <laughs> In 30 years of reporting, I've come across lots of lies, myths, and stupidity which is one of the reasons I have a 2020 segment called Give Me a Break. And now I've written a book about all these lies and myths and stupidities, also called Give Me a Break, and it's out this week. I was surprised that I had enough free time to work on my book, but I did have time, and that brings us to myth number nine, that today we Americans have less free time than we used to. It is a given these days. Everyone knows it. Families are overscheduled. Countless news stories tell us we're running ourselves ragged. Everyone knows, that's true. Americans have no free time. We're rushing to work, shop, clean. Only oh, have time to study and work. That's about it. There's never free time.
6: Everybody's constantly busy.
5: How many hours a week of free time you think you have?
6: I'll say seven hours. Okay, is that it? Come on.
5: Sherry Kowalski is busy a working mom, she's constantly rushing to get everything done. I need to
6: go to the toilet
10: roll. I Need to go to the bank and vote to the office.
5: She has two kids.
10: Come on, come on. Mom!
5: And a husband who helps. Good morning. But she still seems frantic. She leaves the French toast to do some laundry. Oh,
10: God.
6: French toast. burning. Morning. Bed. Keeping up this pace is just absolutely exhausting. Lift and draw three more measuring tools in your home. It just seems that I am constantly, constantly doing all three.
10: Alexa, honey, I'm going this way.
5: All her meals were even standing up. Be- and everyone we interviewed that day said they were terribly pressed for time. How much free time do you
6: have? I don't really have any free
5: time, actually. No free time? It makes me want to seek out some real data on this. Has anyone tried to measure how much time we have? Well, this man has. Since 1965, University of Maryland sociologist John Robinson has had people keep time diaries so he could calculate how much free time people really have. I assume since 1965 we've lost free time. Not the case. Surprisingly, since 1965, we've gained almost an hour more free time per day. There is a discrepancy between what people
0: say and what they report when they keep the Time Diaries.
11: Sure
5: enough, Sherry and some of the other people we met at the mall kept Robinson's Time Diaries, but they wrote down didn't always match what they said. Sherry had twice as much free time as she'd estimated. She finds time to exercise every day, and she often goes to a tanning salon. She also watches some TV. This is the number one free time activity in America. Paul White told us he watched 10 hours a week, but then he filled out the diary. On the diary, it was 36 hours.
10: <laughs>
5: <laughs> I had a
10: day off uh, that week.
5: The diaries show most Americans underestimate how much free time we have. And we have more time now, say the experts, because we're working fewer hours, marrying later, having fewer kids, and retiring early. We have better tools. This gives us an easier lifestyle. We tend to forget about the hardships of the past, like washing clothing by hand. 50 years ago, the average woman
2: was spending 60 to 70 hours a week
5: doing housework. Economist Steve Moore is co-author of It's Getting Better All the Time. This idea that we work harder to I'm watching football on Sunday afternoons and going to our kids' child soccer games than our ancestors ever did. Sherry doesn't believe it. I have less
6: time to spend with my kids. My mother was home, and she was always
10: there
5: for us. Women say the parents had time to spend with the kids. I don't.
0: Actually, we find the opposite. Parents today, we find, are spending more time with their children.
5: And we noticed that no matter what Sherry felt, she did spend a lot of
0: time with her kids.
5: It is hard to explain that if we're so stressed for free time, who are the 36 million people who golf, the 65 million who go camping, and the millions who go to the beach, the movies, and sporting events? One of the reasons that Americans feel so pressed for time is there's so much more to do in life today. We spend more money just on things like toys and sporting equipment than the entire economies of most countries in the world today. Spending all that money brings us to myth number eight. American families need two incomes to get by. Both husband and wife have to work. Well, some do. And it's the reason Sherry and her husband say they both work. This is what many of us think life used to be like. Mom was home all the time because Dad's income alone provided for the family.
0: June, I'm leaving.
5: But now we keep hearing families can't afford to have one parent stay home.
6: Definitely
5: needed to as it Sherry gets up at 4 in the morning because she took a job.
6: The hardest thing about getting up is missing my sleep. I get so exhausted and aggravated with everybody.
5: She delivers 200 newspapers every morning.
6: If I didn't have this job, financially we wouldn't make it.
5: She also sells things on eBay.
6: That's great. Somebody is trying to break into my eBay account. Goodbye.
5: Her husband works as a lab technician, but it's not enough money, they say. Sherry <laughs> hates her paper rep.
6: Before I had this job, I was happy. I wasn't so crabby with everybody. Now it just seems like every little thing just gets to me.
5: But does she need this job? Contrary to what we always hear, Americans make more money these days. The U.S. Department of Commerce reports that after accounting for inflation, personal disposable income has tripled over the past 50 years. And Sherry's husband makes an above-average income. You don't need to have this paper out.
6: Financially, we do. We needed a bigger car. You can't put two kids in the Ford Escort? We did. It was very cramped.
5: The Kowalskis not only have the Escort and a
6: pickup truck,
5: they also bought this new fully-loaded minivan you need the free car? Go ahead. I think you can You wanted
6: the truck. You wanted the truck.
5: One of the reasons families feel like they can't get by on one income is because we want more things.
6: I wanted the better van. I didn't want the van with the cloth seats and the no entertainment system. Everybody wants more.
5: A lot more. Fifty years ago, the average family in the United States had one car. Today, the norm is two or three. Houses more than double the square footage. And shoppers keep spending.
6: I wanted one pair, one
7: pair of shoes. I wound up with four. So I like the fact that I didn't have to make the choice between the one or the four. I could have all four.
5: Most families don't have to have both parents working. They do this by choice. People have decided they want to maintain a very high-income lifestyle on two incomes to have all the things to keep up with the Joneses. You don't need
0: all that stuff, but we wanted. Just like when we had regular TV, 13 channels. Now we have cable. We have 100, 200, 300 channels. We're spoiled. The cable goes out, we're all crying because we don't have all these channels.
5: Of course, we all want those things because we think they'll make us happy. And that's myth number seven, money buys happiness.
6: We have our first woman as a millionaire.
5: (laughs) This woman who just won a million dollars certainly looks happy. The culture keeps telling us money buys happiness.
9: This is the story of the next
5: German heir. On reality shows, the pretty girls line up hoping to marry the rich guy. And watching rich people, it looks as if money bought them happiness. But in fact, this woman says she was very happy only for several days. And the thrill wore off.
9: Look at all the billionaires. If I know 15 billionaires, I know 13 and a half.
5: Hip hop promoter Russell Simmons and his brother, the Reverend Run, are rich. MTV did half a TV show just on Simmons' house. He's chairman of a record company, a fashion company. He travels with a black tie crowd.
10: More money, 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 more.
5: His brother, Reverend Run, was the lead rapper for Run DMC. He said he suddenly realized money wouldn't buy happiness when he was at the peak of his career.
9: I get to LA and I got the presidential suite, and it all came at once. Everybody's at my door. Rolling Stone magazine was on the cover of Rolling Stone. The, the, the man, the, the, my favorite dude was bringing my pancake. The weed dude was at the door. The Rolls Royce was coming, and it was too much. I realized, okay, I got it, God. I got it. I got it. This will not work. It's not going to make me happy. And I changed at that moment. I began to evolve. So I'm happy that God let me um, max out very early. So now I can live the rest of my life laughing and being happy, that that's not going to make me happy. The only thing that's going to make me happy is the joy that's on the inside of me.
5: His brother says a lot of the rich artists he knows haven't
9: figured that out. There's a constant battle to get more, because there's a little bit of a rush. They're like drug addicts. These 13 billionaires need help? They're cake-a-holy. a Take any money. They've got to keep having it.
5: And it never brings happiness. I'm still stuck in this idea that if I make a little more money, ABC pays me a little more money. My next ABC contract can pay you
9: anything they want, you want to do. i be the
5: same person. You'll return to the
9: same level of happiness that you're at today.
5: Research suggests yeah. he's right. A survey of 49 of the Forbes riches found they weren't any happier than the rest of us. Billions didn't do it. People think it could buy happiness, they can't. Gene Chatsky can't of Money buy. magazine polled 1,500 people for this new book and found that more money makes people significantly happier. Only if their family income is below thirty thousand dollars, but by fifty thousand, money makes no difference.
6: Once you get to that fifty thousand dollar level, more money doesn't buy more happiness.
5: How come almost nobody gets this? People keep trying to get more stuff. Stuff
9: is fun, but not necessarily. and certainly not for your happiness.
5: You used to act like you thought money would buy you happiness.
9: Hell yeah, I had Rolls Royces, everything, everything, the next thing, next everything. My first Rolls Royce was a white bulletproof silver star. You have these curtains, You'd open them up, wave. And the girls, like, oh my God! A young guy, you know, hip hop guy. It was great. Didn't mean anything. It was never really a source of happiness at all. The source of happiness is getting out the car and going upstairs that little office I had and working, in, managing the artists, bringing people out of poverty, bringing people, you know, opportunity, changing their lives.
5: Happiness researchers agree.
9: Purposeful work is
5: what makes people happy and finding religion and family.
9: It's whether you have a
6: job that you like and it gives you some satisfaction. It's whether you're giving back.
9: I just want to thank all of you for the hard work. Giving is the basis of all success. You give someone a hug, and they'll hug you back. You want to make money? Help someone make money. It's all that process. But, you know, you get to do first give before you get. And the
4: giving is the part that's fun.
5: Our countdown continues, just in time for election season. Myth number six, Republicans shrink government. Big government is not the answer. Republicans do say they'll limit spending.
0: My administration will spend what is truly needed, and not a dollar more.
5: Republicans have always said that. Our government is too big, big and and it spends spends too much. much. But for over 75 years, no Republican administration has cut the size of government. Since George W. Bush became president, government spending's up nearly 25 percent. And it's not just because of terrorism. The Office of Management and Budget says spending at the EPA is up 12 percent. Agriculture, 14 percent. Interior, 30 percent. Labor, 64 percent. The Department of Education, 70 percent. And the pork keeps pouring out. Even peanut festers. Dothan, Alabama got $200,000. And this
10: was great, isn't it?
9: A celebration of the peanuts.
5: The money will be used for a big arena to replace this tent. It'll house activities for seniors, they say. And there'll be room for a grease pig wrestling contest. <laughs> Republican Congressman Terry Everett, here he is in the peanut parade, got them the money. He wouldn't talk to us about it, but the locals said they like getting your money. We deserve this money because we are our agricultural area. But I think this man's answer is more accurate. I think it's a
2: waste of money, but if they're going to waste money, I guess it's better to waste it here than anywhere else. How y'all
10: doing? we oh,
5: We fought a war against big government, and you know what? Big government won. Economist Stephen Moore is a Republican. It was Newt Gingrich 10 years ago who said, we're going to make government smaller and smarter. We're tired of big government Wasteful spending. And you Don't look at what wrong. happened to the government in the 10 years since the Republicans took control of Congress. The government is twice as big. You Republicans are supposed to stand for smaller government. Lisa Murkowski is one of Alaska's senators.
1: We want smaller government, but boy, I sure want more highways and more stuff, whatever the stuff is.
5: I'll say and she voted for money for the Iditarod Trail, a local watch. And more than half a dozen Alaskan museums. This is 67 pages of, I'd call it fork going to Alaska. And you,
1: oh, you need to come up. You would realize <laughs> it's not fork, It's all necessity.
5: Alaska gets more per person than any other state. That's big government getting bloated. Point.
1: Because Alaska has so little. People look at, at, at Alaska and say, oh, chiefs are getting all this money, but we still have communities that are not tied into sewer and water. There are certain basic things that you've got to have.
5: Museums?
1: Pay for your own museums. Well, I'd like to be able to make a case that our museum is different. Um, I
10: can't.
5: We're on to item number five, and we've all heard this one during the presidential campaign. When it comes to income taxes, the rich don't pay their fair share. A lot of you may buy that.
10: And now I have
5: a special message with a special interest. <coughs> the Democratic presidential candidates keep saying that.
3: We want our country <coughs> for ordinary Americans.
5: The first one willing to say it to me was the Reverend Al Sharp. The rich do not pay their share. That's a widespread belief. Do the politicians even know how much of the income tax burden the rich pay now?
9: The top 1% in this country pays very much less
5: than 10%. Very much less than 5%. So what's fair? The top 1% should pay 10% of America's <coughs> income taxes?
9: No. 20%? They should pay somewhere around 15%. They don't pay 5%. Yeah. Anybody would see that as unequal and unfair.
5: So they should pay 15% instead the richest 1% now pay less than 10%? Then he said less than 5%. But that's so silly because, and I bet most of you don't know this, the IRS says the richest 1% of taxpayers already pay 34%, twice what Sharpton wanted them to pay. The Reverend barely reacted when I told him. They're already paying 34%. No, I think that if you deal with the quality of their life. He quickly changed the subject. He never would admit how far off he was. Now, you may still feel the rich should pay more. After all, they have so much. But let's remember the fact. The top 1% of Americans, those who earn about $300,000 a year, pay 34%, more than a third of all income taxes. And the top 5%, those making over $125,000, pay more than half. So remember that next time you hear a candidate okay. saying, he'll sock it to the rich. <laughs> In a moment, myth number four. This one turns out to be deadly. Now we go to myth number four. Chemicals are killing us. Of course, some chemicals in high enough doses do kill people. But in America today there's this idea that quietly, secretly everywhere, chemicals are gradually poisoning. This song from nineteen eighty nine sums it up. Americans' fear of chemicals has caused us to obsess about breathing and air dye, dry cleaning, coffee, children's pajamas, chewing gum, saccharin, NutraSweet, food additives, even rubber ducks. There's no proof that the small amounts of chemicals in those products have harmed anyone. The death rate from cancers has actually been declining in America. But our fear is contagious, uh, and uh, that can be deadly. We are looking r-
9: between r- r- 2 million, and three million
5: people a year. The health minister of Uganda points out that these people may die because of the chemical DDT, but not because DDT is bad, but because Americans' fear of it has deprived much of the world of the chemical that might have saved them. How did this happen? Well, 50 years ago, Americans sprayed tons of DDT everywhere. Farmers used it to repel bugs, health officials to fight mosquitoes to carry malaria. Nobody worried much about chemicals then. People really did just sit there and eat in clouds of DDT. When the trucks came to spray, people often acted as if the ice cream truck had come. They were so happy to have mosquitoes repelled. Huge amounts of DDT were sprayed on food and people who just breathed it in. And amazingly, there's no evidence that all this spraying hurt people. It did cause some harm, however. It threatened bird populations by thinning their eggshells. And this book made the damage famous and helped create our fear of chemicals. But it's the dose that matters. The chemicals are everywhere. They're in vegetables, and vegetables are good for us. Did you know there's something in celery called 8 sorilin that's carcinogenic in rodents? There's something in broccoli that's carcinogenic, too. But it doesn't matter because it's the dose that makes the poison. dose was the reason for the DDT problem. We sprayed so much, but it only takes this amount to prevent the spread of malaria. It's sprayed on walls, and one sprang will keep mosquitoes at bay for half a year. It's a very efficient malaria fight. But today, DDT is rarely used. America's demonization of it caused others to shun it. The U.S. government does spend tax dollars fighting malaria in Africa, but it will not spend a penny on DDT.
6: It is an extraordinarily delicate and political To use in another country, something we won't use in our own country.
5: DDT was banned in America after we started celebrating Earth Day. Environmentalists made a lot of claims then.
6: You are breathing probably the last of the
5: oxygen. Soon after that came the campaign against DDT. The result? A huge resurgence of malaria. More than 50 million dead,
0: mostly children. If it's a chemical, it must be bad. If it's DDT, it must be awful. And that's fine if you're a rich, white environmentalist. It's not so fine if you're a poor, black kid who's about to lose his life from malaria.
5: Amir Adiran is leading a campaign of hundreds of scientists urging the use of DDT to combat malaria. It's needed especially in Africa, he says, because there malaria kills thousands every day. How many people do they want to use DDT? The United States government fights malaria by funding drugs that the government's own website admits fail up to 80% of the time, and bed nets. So not everyone in Africa even has a bed. But we will not fund DDT. Even the USA it acknowledges it's safe to use.
6: I would recommend that it's those who want to use the indoor spraying that they can and should. And it is definitely less harmful than dying and being exposed to malaria. You won't pay for it. Currently, we don't
5: pay for it. This is perfect. Millions of people are dying. and you to be politically correct and say, oh, no, we don't want to pay for this.
6: I believe that the strategies we are using are as effective as the spraying with CDC, and we are getting them out as far and as fast as we can. Politically correct or not, I am very confident that what we are doing is the right strategy.
5: If I were to characterize what USAID does in malaria, I'd call it medical malpractice. I would call it murder. Because of hysteria about chemicals in America, much of the world won't use DDT. And by the time this TV show is over, malaria will have killed another hundred. myth number three, guns are bad, evil, and of course we need more gun control. Well, guns do cause terrible harm. We have 15 fatalities. America is notorious for its culture of gun violence. One more addition to the litany of gun slavery, not to mention all the gun accidents. We know many kill kids. The PSAs and news stories make it seem as if the accidents kill thousands of kids every year. The Centers for Disease Control says the real number for kids this age is fewer than 50. That's still terrible. I understand why these demonstrators say we need more gun laws.
1: We want sensible gun control legislation.
7: We are the voice of the majority of Americans. It is time we were heard.
5: And the media seem to want one. Why is it so hard for Congress to pass a gun control bill? But guess what? The Centers for Disease Control recently completed a review of studies of various types of gun control, waiting periods, registration and licensing, and bans on certain firearms. It could not document that these rules have reduced violent crime. How can this be? Signing the Brady Bill into law didn't help?
9: Don't tell me this bill will not make a difference. That is
5: not true. Sorry, the government can't say it has made a difference. One reason is that the bad guys tend to ignore gun laws. When I had a gun, I
9: didn't care what laws they had. I'm not worried about the government saying that I can't carry a gun. I'm going to carry a gun anyway.
5: These maximum security felons in New Jersey scoff at measures like breaking law. I'm
9: not going in the store to buy no gun. So I could care less if they had a background check or not. I bought it from the street. from a source. There's guns everywhere. If you got money... To get a gun.
5: A study funded by the Department of Justice confirmed what these prisoners said. Most criminals buy their guns illegally and easily. And get this. The study said the felons say the thing they fear most is not the police, not time in prison, but you, another American who might be armed.
9: When you're going to rob somebody you don't know, it makes it harder
5: because you don't know what to expect out of you. It's a reason many states are passing gun uncontrolled. They're allowing citizens to carry guns with them. It's called concealed carry or right to carry, and it comforts women like Laura Jones. It's a safety thing. I
6: feel, I feel better knowing I have a way
5: to protect myself. But many people are horrified at the idea of right to carry law.
9: That is frightening. Can you imagine just walking up and down the street knowing that 90% of the people you pass have a deadly weapon and you could be their next target? <clears throat> I think that we'd be living in a state of terror.
5: Surprise! Thirty-six states already have right-to-carry laws, and people in these states are not living in terror. We called state safety officials in all these states, and not one reported an surge in crime. Why? Well, maybe because guns are used twice or three times as often for defensive uses as they are to commit crimes. That's what happened at this car dealership. The owner had a gun, so when these two armed men came in to rob him, he shot it, and they ran. Studies on defensive use of guns find this kind of thing happens at least 700,000 times a year.
6: I just reacted. It was a life or death thing, and you just think you react.
5: Armed men broke into Susan Gonzalez's house and shot her. She grabbed her husband's gun and started firing.
6: I figured if I could shoot one of them, even if we both died, someone would know who had been in my home.
5: She killed one of the intruders. The other ran away.
6: I don't necessarily... Light guns still, but I carry one because I know now
5: what can happen and why you do need a gun. On to myth number two. We're drowning in garbage, our own household garbage. Did you believe that? You worried that we're running out of places to put it? We do produce a lot of it. Americans discard more trash than any other country in the world. There's no place left to put all the garbage. That's what we've been told. Do you worry that we'll run out of places to put the trash? But this, too, is a myth, one that analysts say was jump-started by this barge. It's cargo nobody wants. These 3,000 tons of compacted trash and garbage on a barge on the Mississippi River. The barge is filled with New York trash being shipped to a landfill in Louisiana. But on the way, the shipper tried to save money by dumping his trash in North Carolina. Suspicious local officials said, no thanks, and that got so much publicity that by the time the barge reached its original destination, the Louisiana dump wouldn't accept it anymore. That brought more publicity. The garbage is just sitting there while its owners look for a place to dump it. Interviews with the tugboat captain suggested a national crisis. The greatest
10: country on Earth, and we can't straighten out a little thing like this. What, what's going to happen if we ever get in trouble?
1: Mom, Dad, we need to start recycling because we... Save our planet. Nothing
5: gets thrown, nothing gets thrown away. Recycle your trash! The publicity over the barge ignited 10 years of activism.
1: We are now approaching an emergency situation.
5: But it wasn't true. We're not drowning in garbage. The EPA says while some cities have to ship garbage out, overall landfill capacity is actually increasing. All around America, people are building bigger landfills. Some landfill owners compete for our trash.
0: Some of our members are actually looking for ways to be disposed of.
5: Some put parks and golf courses on top of it. In the United States, there's plenty of land to properly dispose of our solid waste for thousands of years.
4: We hardly have a garbage crisis.
5: And finally, lie number one. And it's also a myth, and it's also stupid, but you've heard this again and again. Drum roll, please. Life is getting worse. Suddenly, SARS is everywhere. I see why people think life is getting worse. Child <coughs> abduction, mugging, murder on the highway. You watch TV news programs?
10: Right?
5: Yes. Do they make you feel safe? No.
10: They keep on um, saying stuff like, um,
6: a kid got kidnapped or something. And they start telling you everything's bad.
5: Kids were worried about being kidnapped.
6: Kidnapped? Kidnapping. Anyone to describe me at any time. A lot more kids have been kidnapped.
5: They watched all that TV coverage about kidnapping and other crimes. So they thought crime was up.
6: Now they have all these um, high-tech guns
5: and stuff. How sad, that they're scared when they're safer than ever. The crime rate's close to the lowest it's been in 15 years, and a Justice Department study showed no increase in kidnapping. These are the safest times ever to have lived on the earth. And America is the safest place to have ever lived. Steve Moore says, forget what life used to be like. The truth is, the good old days weren't so good. Life was nasty, brutish, and short. These 100-year-olds have no doubt about that. Life is better today? I mean.
6: Life is easier. In those years, you didn't have nothing. Now, with all the medicine... I could dream in their life.
5: Modern medical care, another thing we take for granted.
8: They're giving medication today, I keeping me doing.
5: The average American today lives 30 years longer than the average American 100 years ago. Today, we worry about SARS, but SARS hasn't killed a single person in America. Fewer than 1,000 have died worldwide. Compare that to the flu epidemic of 1918, which killed 20 million people. A lot of people
6: died. My cousin Bobby got flu and never recovered. Bisteria was a very
5: serious. Today's kids haven't even heard of many mass killers. You ever hear of diphtheria? Nope. You ever hear of rheumatic fever? None of
6: those diseases, things.
5: We have conquered the killer diseases that wiped out as many as a third to a quarter of the population in previous times. And today we complain about work. I
6: guess so exhausted
5: and aggravated with everybody we forget that in the old days most americans worked on the farm these are hard times we romanticize farms but the truth is life on the farm 75 to 100 years ago wasn't so wonderful in fact one of the reasons people left the farms was because their lives were so tough and it was back breaking toil mines were worse than Life at factories wasn't much better. The kind of work we did do today is so much more interesting. We do still have poverty, people lining up at food banks. But in recent years, what Americans call poverty has changed. Are you poor? Sure, I'm poor. You have an apartment?
2: Yeah, right here in the complex. Color TV? It works.
11: Have a microwave oven?
2: Yeah, microwave. Have uh, cable? Cable, the normal things.
5: We're making progress for every segment of our society. Finally,
10: I think I'm most concerned about pollution and things in the air.
5: We worry a lot about pollution. We obsess about pollution from cars, but think about it. The emissions from automobiles today are nothing like the kind of pollution that came out of horses. The manure that would get into the water and into the streets would make our cities truly foul. And even with new sources of air pollution, the air is getting cleaner. You go back 50 years ago, many American cities had permanent black fogs over them. Since then, every major air pollutant is down dramatically, and lakes and rivers are cleaner too. What is that smell? That's East River. <laughs> people still joke about the rivers that surround my home. The East Hudson Rivers were once disgusting. After all, millions of people live here, and when they flushed.
10: Oh man.
5: All of it went directly, untreated, to the rivers.
2: There's fecal matter floating on the water. It's flowing out of here. There's a scum all over this inlet going out to the river.
5: But now treatment plants clean the sewer. so the rivers around Manhattan are 98% cleaner than 30 years ago. Even here, within sight of the Empire State Building, within a short distance of millions of people flushing, I'm willing to do this. I stayed in the water for a while. Didn't see anything horrible.
9: Would you ever jump in the Hudson
5: River?
6: No. There's, like, no fish there because it's so
5: dirty. they like, all die. Nonsense. There are plenty of fish, and people eat them. (sighs) Oh, it's cold. And they do fish, on average, two bodies out of the river every year. But it is clean enough that it's now legal to swim here. Every generation has always felt like things are getting worse rather than getting better, when, in fact, every objective standard of life on Earth and safety and health is showing much improvement. We should feel so lucky to be alive today.
12: So that's our top ten
5: list. If you want to add your own or read more about ours, you can go to my webpage at abcnews.com. And there are lots more lies, myths, and plenty of stupidity in my new book. Give me a break. There's an excerpt of that at abcnews.com as well.
4: Is this radio spot where Nikki Baker's life,
6: it
1: would start pretty normal, like this.
6: But But then, then, right right around here, her life would take a bad turn with her mother abusing her. And about this far end, Nikki would drop out of high school and run away. Here, she'd be forced to work two jobs struggling to support herself.
7: And her daughter.
1: She'd feel stuck, stuck, stuck. stuck.
7: But then she'd decide to earn her GED diploma.
1: She'd take my
7: prep classes, study every night, and feel unstuck. Because she'd finally hear someone say, Nikki Baker, come up and get
2: your
1: GED diploma. If this radio spot were Nikki Baker's life, the ending wouldn't be the ending at all. It would be the beginning of a brighter future. For free info about GED test prep classes, call 1-877-38-YOUR-GED or
6: visit yourged.org. GED is a registered trademark of the American Council on Education. Brought to you by Dollar General Literacy Foundation and the Ad Council.
12: I'm in the car next to you on the highway. I sit in front of you on the bus. I'm one out of every six Americans, and I'm struggling with hunger. This isn't an uncontrollable epidemic. There's enough food in this country to feed every hungry person. Please. Visit FeedingAmerica.org today and find your local food bank. Every dollar you donate helps provide seven meals for those around you quietly struggling with hunger. Together, we're Feeding America.
1: Brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council.
9: Energy efficiency interviews are brought to you by the U.S. Department of Energy and the Ad Council.
1: Matthew, you know energy-saving light bulbs last six times longer than that old bulb in your lamp? Uh, yeah, well, I don't even live here. Matthew, dinner's ready. I never met that woman. It's your favorite, Matt. Lasagna. Ugh, don't you people knock?
2: Just give me the energy saver.
9: Millions of kids are using their energy wisely. What's your excuse? Learn more at loseyourexcuse.gov. Just,
8: just, just in. Bobby Christina Brown dies at age 22, nearly six months after being forced face down sponsored in a bathtub in her Georgia home a month after being moved to hospice. Bobby Christina Brown, the only child to the only child of Whitney Houston and Bobby Brown, has died at age twenty-two. Associated press report reported her death on Sunday night. Bobby Christina has quote Bobby Christina Brown passed away july twenty ninth to july twenty sixth, twenty fifteen, surrounded by her family, end of quote. A rep for the Houston family said, quote, She is finally at peace in the arms of God. I want to again thank everyone for the tremendous amount of love and support during these few months. End of quote. Father Christina was discovered my friend Max Lomas and the man she referred to as her husband, Nick Gordon on January thirty first and was transferred to a to the Atlanta area hospital. So no drugs were found at her home. When medics arrived, a criminal investigation was eventually opened, however, no rest has been made. Upon arrival at the hospital, she continued breathing with, with the aid of a, of a ventilator as friends and relatives flocked by her side. Within days, she had very little brain activity and was moved to Emory University Hospital, which is considered a top facility for neurologist problems. For weeks, conflicting reports to surface about Father Christina's progress and the severity of her condition. All while she was still in medically induced coma. However, on February the 10th, the Brown family felt the need to speak out and address stories that claimed that she would be taken off by support. The following day, on the third anniversary of her mother's death. Doctors eventually removed her breathing tube, allowing Brown to be uh, ventilated through a hole in her throat. But she suffered a major setback when her medical team attempted to take her off medication and arouse her from her coma. Father Christina had seizures and had to be placed back on the drugs. In March, she was relocated to a rehabilitation center at the time of her her grandmother, Sissy Houston, told Entertainment Tonight, quote, I had to thank everyone who who was praying, who really knows the worth of prayer, and I'm sure It'll get through. I'm just waiting for whatever happens. We go to the hospital every day and pray and talk to her because she can still hear and rub her hand. End quote, she said. Quote, We do what we can do, the rest is all up to him. We know nothing but but his, we know nothing about his plan. All we do is hope for the best. Quote. Uh since then there continued to be conflicting stories regarding Father Christine's condition and last June Bobby Brown, her father was forty six Then reports that his, that his daughter was going home to die. He added right now she was focused on Bobby Christina's medical prognosis and the, medical and the criminal investigation. These are the priorities for us. Whoever had a hand in causing my daughter's injuries need to be brought to justice
4: in the world. Uh It is
8: sad that, um, it's sad but she's
9: finally
8: at peace. Finally, finally, finally at peace now. And we are, our prayers, once again go out to the Houston family
4: and the loss of Bobby Christina Brown, who I believe will We'll 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 be praying for the family. In a time like this. Bobby Brown was Bobby Christina Brown was twenty two years. So I press go to stuff. And home going of we I just I
8: just saw the news. I mean I just saw this online.
4: Not too long ago and they just reported it, um, just reported it, putting this on my Facebook page just in case
8: you want to see it, and it's, I, I was, I was on Yahoo
4: when I, when I found out, so, um. There's no other there's really nothing
8: else there's no no plans no any no criminal arrangements anything right now has been has been um announced so we're um,
4: we'll, of course we'll we'll be waiting to find out what happened We'll find out what happened. So, news, there you have it. Uh, Listen to this story. We're going to listen to this story.
8: It's not, they're not going to show it but uh Georgia pastor has has no time for anti-LGBT critic, uh, hypocrites you can't evangelize and antagonize at the same time
4: hmm, hmm. this is from the Huffington Post the religion section uh, like nine minutes, so... You know, tonight, we're going to call it... We're going to call it a night. we call it a night tonight. Once again, once again, we'll say thank you all for... Tuning in and
8: downloading us, sure appreciate it it's really really know I mean truly 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 do appreciate
4: it very much, especially for these last few two years we've been doing this it has been.
10: has
4: been um very in- very interesting night. Speaking
8: of interesting nights but uh to give you an idea what's gonna be going
4: on um, on next Sunday
8: there's it's an encore presentation of an interview I did with Robert Rhodes and then schedule on the
4: ninth I talked to someone from the recognized
8: National Minority Donor Awareness Month to a representative from that on the on
4: 9th. on the ninth on the of August. And thank you all so much.
8: We'll, we're going to continue with our 32 days of summer with morning inspirations early in the, early in the morning, 8 a.m., from 8 to 10. Uh, 8 to 10 on tomorrow morning. Hopefully, you'll, you'll, you'll join us. The views and opinions of Nation Talk are not necessarily the views or talks you've generated production, so they and its sponsors. This has been Nation Talk, a public affairs program air Sunday night at 8 p.m. Join us next Sunday for another Nation Talk here. Talk to you and jam radio. I'm going to change. We're going to end on a different note. The New Jersey Mass Choir, I Want to Know What Love Is, which which originally was done by Foreigner. Um, they, was, they were, they sung backup for Foreigner on this particular song. So they decided to take the song and go further with it. And this is from 1985
4: when he did this. wanted to do, go out with something different. Until then,
8: God bless you. Have a wonderful and blessed week.
10: You guys ready for the ride of your life? <laughs> if
9: Vin Diesel can do it, so can I.
10: Vacation. Rated R.